This is uh, Dennis here with Phil again to little, do a little discussion. And by the way, I didn't have my sweater on during the interview, but it's cool where I am, so I put it on. And so if you notice that, you're very observant. Uh, she was terrific, very articulate, knowledgeable, uh, really uh, embodied a lot of, uh, I think, uh, uh, of, of what she spoke about, balance and harmony and, and happiness and uh, 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 an interesting area she's in. Yeah, and uh, a, a tremendously interesting background. I could have talked about that with her forever. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, to, to have been immersed in uh, an, an ancient tradition like Tibetan Buddhism. And like we said, not, not that many Westerners go so far as to become ordained as lamas and very few women in particular. So she was deeply immersed in it and uh, now is uh, more eclectic in what she draws from. And I find that kind of thing fascinating. And it's not, a, it's the eclecticism of you know, people teaching who are trained in one tradition, but draw on others is a, a pr probably a much more, uh, well, it's certainly more possible and, and happens much more often now than ever before. Yeah, I mean, she and, and also just the background, the fact that she went, she was uh, grew up in the United States. She went to Vassar, uh, which is up in New York State. And then she went from there on her third year overseas. She, you know, most people go to maybe Europe or whatever. She went to Nepal and she was a, in a Tibetan community. And I'm sure I, I didn't ask her next interview we do with her. I'd like to ask her what the culture was, shock was like coming back from that. Yeah, sure I'll bet. It's, it's a, quite a, a stark difference. <clears throat> but she, she took whatever she learned there, whatever she was given there, and she integrated it into her life. And she uh, went and got her Ph.D., which is no small matter. No. And, uh, so, and I, so I'm sure she, she drew, drew from many sources uh, during that period of time. And uh, now she uh, she runs that center and uh, they have retreats and whatnot and uh, seems yeah. to be very, very, very uh, active in that. And the embodiment issue is very interesting because I, I think it's been building and building and building for years in in the world of uh, meditation practices, mindful practice, mindfulness practices and yoga. Well, yoga is now very embodied, um, maybe <laughs> too oriented. When we think of yoga, we think of yoga asana as a, yeah, so. it's a, a separation of the two. And that was a question, I mean, I'd like to ask next time, go into a little bit more. What does it mean and how do you get embodied? Is it through physical practices? Uh, or Because you made it sound like uh, a lot of being more embodied came from your, your, your mental practice. Yes, and, and um, she, I was looking at the table of contents of her book. And uh, she, she has a section on what she calls the earth body, a section on the subtle body, a section on what she calls the truth body, which reminds me of the koshas, you know, the, what are called the sheaths surrounding the, the eternal self uh, becoming you know, increasingly physical. They usually call the, the causal body, the subtle body. It's pranic bodies. Um, and so I, I was going to ask her about that connection. 
but there's a lot of practices in this, uh, and some of them are meditative. Some of them have to do with posture and breath, and you know, just going by the uh, the the headings in in her chapters. So she probably draws on uh, a lot of different methods of you know embodiment, and and and. I think that's a trend because there was a, 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 a emphasis on the transcendent and the not identifying with the body and identifying with spirit. And if you take that too far, you know, you don't take care of your body and, and you get sick and you get old quickly and, and you're not living fully in the human, you know, incarnation. Yeah. Well, so, I think that's one of the things that Hatha Yoga has brought to the West, uh, uh, you know, we see in the United States that, that uh, it, it, back in the day, where, uh, you know, like I'm talking about, like even in the 60s, 70s, when you heard about meditation, you didn't necessarily think about a person being physically fit or healthy. And it was Hatha Yoga that came along and, uh, and the Hatha Yoga teachers had really promoted that very much to the point where some of the magazines like Yoga Journal, <clears throat> there's an overemphasis on, yeah. on sort of the, the physical stature and appearance of her, uh, somebody uh, without uh, re really uh, delving into the, the, the fact that uh, that that is developed so that uh, one can have a deeper inner experience. I mean, they do both, right? not to pick on yoga journal. There's right? always these yeah. oscillating correctives going on. Yeah. So people got too ethereal and, you know, then they had to, you know, remember you they right? still you give you both here. And That's they're still, yeah, and they're still embodied. And then people get all, all obsessed with the body and forget they're more than the body. So, you know, the responsible teachers have always been very balanced about that. I mean, you go back to, you know, all the gurus who came here that I wrote about in, in American Veda, they all, you know, reminded people that the body is, you know, to use traditional language, the vehicle for you know, enlightenment and that the body is important and taking care of it is important. And they had, you know, methods of asana and breath and all this other stuff. And, and so some teachers, they, before you could get any mental technique, you had to do a lot of the physical before. So. Yeah. And they emphasized diet and good, taking good care of yourself because, you know, it's the, the body is necessary. It's what we inhabit. Uh, and people can go to extremes in either way. That's why, you know, the Buddha created what he called the middle path. You right. know, <laughs> it was moderation. So there's correctives and, and also correctives in the uh, authoritarian and uh, structures of organizations. So I was very glad she was able to address um, frequency of, 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 uh, power abuse in some of these communities she, she you know as, as she pointed out not hardly limited to the you know world of uh, western buddhism and yoga and all that it, it's as as anybody following the uh, the uh, recent history in the catholic church knows exactly yeah so uh, well well done uh, another terrific interview and uh, again, go to our archives at uh, spiritmatterstalk.com. And also uh, on YouTube, you can see us and see our guests at Spirit Matters Talk. We've been doing that for the last several months. 
So there are a number of interviews and uh, discussions there. And please subscribe, uh, hit that little red button and uh, subscribe, it doesn't cost anything. And if you would like to contribute uh, to help keep us on the air and free and open to the public, you can do that at spiritmatterstalk.com. There's an explanation of how that's done. And we are not a nonprofit, so it's not a donation, but uh, uh, we'll make use of that those that, that, any of those contributions to, to keep keep it going and uh, to keep feeding our, uh, our our archives and uh, yeah and that's a great education. Forget about taking a course in uh, comparative religions or spirituality or whatever. Go to our archives; it's free. Do it at your own speed. And uh, Phil and I are always available. I and- want. I, I'm looking forward to a PhD candidate uh, doing a dissertation on the spirit matters podcast and the, the content therein we will give them full full support full uh, okay. emotional right. support anyway next all right time. next time over and out